2: when a beautiful teen is brutally murdered.
4: The gut reaction was, quite honestly, horrendous.
2: The tiny Wisconsin town
0: of Wausau is gripped with fear. People were concerned. Do I have to fear that someone's gonna break into my house and kill me? The first question on
2: everyone's mind?
5: If the motive was money, why wasn't the money taken?
2: The suspect's stories leave detectives bewildered.
6: This is just a a ploy to mask what was really going on. Until they find a telltale clue. This is going to put a nail in somebody's coffin.
2: How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? Nestled peacefully along the shores of the Wisconsin River, Wausau is a small city with
0: big charm, a place that makes just about everyone feel right at home. People like Wausau because it's got a little bit of everything. It's not a very large city, but it still has plenty of shops and businesses for people to go to. And there are plenty of activities for residents to enjoy. There's a whitewater kayak course where they actually have national kayak championships each year. You've got ski trails and snowmobiling and hiking and fishing and hunting, which is very important to the people's lives here. While most of the older
2: residents are rooted in the quiet, peaceful past, the younger generation looks to the promise of the future. And no one's future is brighter than 18-year-old Brianna Schneller. A high school senior and part-time waitress, Brianna has already mapped out life after graduation.
7: She definitely had a game plan. She was going to get into restaurant management. She wanted to get married. She wanted to have a family. And it looks
2: like Brianna's dreams are about to come true. Nine months earlier, her boyfriend, 21-year-old Eduardo Milan, popped the question a proposal Brianna has been dreaming of since they met two years before.
7: They did all kinds of things together. He worshipped the ground she walked on and vice versa. The happy couple dream of opening their own restaurant together. She enjoyed greeting people, serving people. Um, She enjoyed that environment.
2: Brianna's parents worry that she's growing up too fast. But Brianna doesn't see it that way and moves into an apartment
7: in another part of town with her fiance and his brother. We had numerous conversations, loud conversations, about how we wanted her to wait and and finish with school. Brianna, blinded by love, has no plans
2: to wait for her parents' approval. She's determined to live happily ever after with Eduardo. But the young bride-to-be will never have a chance to see her dreams come true. Officer Paul Piscotti has been patrolling the quaint streets of Wausau for two decades. Not much happens around here. But he's got to be ready
4: for anything, just in case it ever does. Working day shift patrol, we get a lot of traffic-related stuff. We try to be proactive and be out and be seen. But it doesn't always prevent things from happening.
2: Saturday, May 2nd, 2009, starts out just like any other. But just when Officer Piscotti thinks it's going to be another routine day, a frantic call comes into the station. County
3: 911, what is your emergency? I have a neighbor over here. He's Spanish. He said um, someone needs an ambulance over there. They said that um, his brother's girlfriend is left on the floor. They said her neck is cut and she's got like a gab wound.
2: Seems that there's a whole bunch of trouble down at an apartment complex on 12th Avenue. As Officer Piscotti makes his way to the scene, he's hoping the frantic woman on the other end of the line has made a horrible mistake.
4: We get a lot of of exaggeration on some calls. We didn't know if this was something that was self-inflicted or if it was something else. But this call is no tall tale.
2: When Piscotti arrives at the apartment complex, he knows right away something
4: serious has gone down it was obvious that it was worse than what I was led to believe. There was a group of four or five individuals in the parking lot. One of the individuals broke away and led me into the apartment.
2: The man is Carlos Milan, and he claims he knows the victim all too well. He tells Officer Piscotti the woman is Brianna Schneller, his
4: roommate and his brother's fiancé. Carlos was, was very distraught over what he had found. It was pretty obvious to me that he was not expecting to find this when he got home on his lunch break. And Carlos is about to show
2: Officer Piscotti exactly what he shook up about. Right there, on the floor in one of the bedrooms, is a sight Piscotti won't soon forget. The lifeless body of beautiful Brianna Schneller.
4: The gut reaction was, quite honestly, horrendous. She had numerous stab wounds visible to her chest as well as a a slash across her throat.
2: When Brianna's parents learn about the gruesome discovery, it's more than they can handle. Craig Schneller can't believe his only daughter is dead.
7: I received a, a call indicating that Bree was murdered. I just said, it can't be. It just, how can this happen? I dropped to my knees. Your world just stops. Everything just stops.
2: But for Wausau's Men in Blue, the work is just starting. In this tiny town, most detectives have the weekend off. But Detective Matt Barnes won't be kicking his feet up this Saturday. He's on call. At first, he doesn't know what to think about the reported homicide on 12th Avenue.
5: I got a phone call from the patrol lieutenant at the Wausau Police Department, and he said, I need you to come to work, There's there's been a homicide. My next question to him was, no, seriously, why, why are you calling me?
2: But it's no joke. The first murder investigation in five months has quickly become the top priority at the Wausau Police Department. Good thing hardworking detective Cord Buckner is available to pitch in. Like others on the small force, he's a jack
6: of all trades. We're all sort of general practitioners, general investigators, and have the deal, have to kind of know a little bit about everything. Like Barnes,
2: Buckner is also shocked by the level of violence. But like any good detective, he gets right down to business. First up, figuring out how a young woman like Brianna Schneller wound up dead. Luckily, There are clues almost everywhere Detective Barnes and Buckner look.
5: We immediately noticed several things in that room that seemed out of place to us. One was a clothing iron near her feet, and that iron appeared damaged. And there's blood on both the iron and the handle.
2: There's even more blood in the hallway, just outside Brianna's bedroom. The trail leads Barnes straight to the bathroom, where he finds the mother load of evidence.
5: There's two two big kitchen knives in the bathroom sink. It appeared to us, them being in a sink, that they were rinsed off.
2: That's not all that's been cleaned. Blood on the soap dispenser suggests Brianna's killer is a neatnik.
5: They weren't necessarily in the biggest rush because if you take the time to stop and wash your hands with soap, um, that that's not consistent with someone committing a crime and then running out of the apartment.
2: And the clues keep on coming.
5: There was money strewn around this apartment, anything from $1 to $20 bills, uh, and lots of them.
2: At first glance, it seems like this part-time waitress may have been caught up in a robbery gone bad. But that theory just doesn't add up.
6: It created more questions as to, Is this a burglary? Because if this is a burglary, why is this money still here?
2: Leaving police to wonder if the cash has anything to do with Brianna's murder at all.
6: Without signs of forced entry, one of the first things we think is, this may be somebody that she knew, that Brianna knew.
2: But who wanted Brianna dead, and why? A pair of suspects quickly come to mind.
6: We have Brianna, and we have the two people she's living with start there and start working out.
2: Detective Barnes once again talks to Brianna's roommate, Carlos.
5: The younger brother was clearly upset, emotional, and and traumatized by the scene that he discovered.
2: But detectives know things aren't always as they seem. Police want to question Carlos and his brother, Brianna's fiancé. According to Carlos, his brother's just learned the heartbreaking news and is on his way home from work. Detectives are itching to talk in detail with the two of them, but they'll just have to wait.
5: Our hope was someone had to have seen something or heard something that can help us.
2: Someone did hear something. The neighbors who live right above Brianna's apartment.
5: They said they heard what sounded like uh, an argument with screaming and yelling and some banging around in the later morning hours.
2: Could detectives have found a motive for Brianna's murder? Perhaps she was fighting with her fiance or his brother. Or maybe, just maybe, they were fighting over her. Was Brianna the object of both men's affections?
5: That becomes one of the questions we have to ultimately answer.
1: Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
3: Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey. No one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
2: In a tiny town like Wausau, everybody knows everybody else's business. So it's no surprise that by the end of the day, folks have already heard about Brianna Schneller's murder. Brianna
0: Schneller had the, the girl next door look. That's what shocked and horrified people so much about her death. They could see her and say, that could have been my daughter.
2: Jeff Stark of the Wausau Daily Herald has his finger on the community's pulse. He's been covering the town's top news stories for five years now. And this story, more than any other,
0: has folks shaking in their boots. People certainly were scared and frustrated because we knew someone had died, and police didn't give a lot of details. And
2: no one's more stunned than Brianna's parents. And for her dad, Craig, the loss is especially painful.
7: You go through a phase of, I should have been there. I shouldn't have let her live there. I shouldn't have allowed that. And now you want answers. You want to find out what's going on. It'll be up to detectives
2: Matt Barnes and Cord Buckner to find those answers. And they know just where to start, with Brianna's live-in fiance, Eduardo Milan. Eduardo waits on tables at a local restaurant, just a few miles from the apartment.
5: Brianna and her fiance knew each other through the restaurant that Brianna and her mother worked at.
2: When detectives bring Brianna's fiance in for questioning, he appears dazed and confused.
5: Eduardo's
6: not really fully comprehending maybe what had happened and maybe not fully accepting what had happened.
2: But Eduardo swears he didn't have anything to do with the murder. He denies that the two fought that morning. He insists he and Brianna were as happy as can be.
6: Everything that we heard from Brianna's family was it was a very healthy, positive relationship. We didn't hear reports of domestic type of violence. But police aren't so
2: sure. Perhaps there's something in Eduardo's past they aren't aware of? No such luck. Eduardo's clean as a whistle. Even though he's got nothing on his record, any detective worth his salt knows that doesn't mean he didn't do it.
6: That may not necessarily mean he's incapable of a homicide because things change and who knows what spurred this incident.
2: While one set of investigators keep an eye on Eduardo, Detective Barnes has his sights set on the coroner's report. Surely there's something in it that can lead him to Brianna's killer. According to the coroner, whoever that someone is attacked Brianna not long before she was found.
5: She dies sometime between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock. And in looking at the scene and seeing the dried blood, uh, we start to believe we're looking at a time of death sometime uh, in the late morning.
2: Brianna died a painful death. Her body is covered in so many stab wounds, the coroner has a hard time counting them all.
5: You have stab wounds on top of stab wounds on top of stab wounds that went uh, on her chest, in her face, on her neck.
2: And that's not the only thing the coroner notices. It looks like two of the cuts are about the same size as the kitchen knives found in Brianna's bathroom.
5: One of the knives uh, in the sink, the blade was broken off and the, the blade was missing.
2: If that wasn't enough, the coroner believes the attacker used another household item to beat her. The iron found at her feet appears to match some of the injuries on her body.
5: We can see a bruising pattern or an injury pattern that's consistent with the angles of the, uh, the metal ironing portion of that steam iron.
2: The choice of weapons tells police a lot about Brianna's killer. Chances are it was a spontaneous attack.
5: What we would expect from a person who had planned to go in there and kill her would be that they would most likely bring a weapon themselves to facilitate that.
2: Detectives also cross sexual assault off the list of possible motives.
5: And nothing appeared uh, out of place or that would suggest that she was sexually assaulted.
2: A beating like this suggests a crime of passion.
6: With injuries that brutal, There's always a possibility that somebody close to her was responsible.
2: Someone so close, they felt the need to cover her face with towels after the murder.
5: It tells me that whoever did this, potentially, you know, couldn't handle looking at what they did.
2: And that leads detectives right back to where they started, with Brianna's fiancé, Eduardo. Eduardo claims he last saw Brianna that morning, and everything was fine.
6: He had spent some time with Brianna in their room talking, uh, some flirting, just some normal banter between a couple before he had to go to work.
2: Eduardo claims he left for the restaurant a little after 10 and stayed until well after the lunch rush ended at 1.30. Detective Buckner knows that if Eduardo's telling the truth, that means he probably wasn't near the house when his brother found Brianna. As interested as police are in Brianna's fiancé, they know they wouldn't be doing their job if they didn't also focus on his brother, Carlos.
6: Some of the things that made Eduardo a good suspect were also some of the things that made Carlos a good suspect, which is the close living quarters, the relationship with Brianna.
2: After all, Carlos is not only the person who found Brianna's body. He's also the last one who was in the apartment with her that morning
5: both those positions to put you on a list of individuals that would have had uh, the opportunity to commit that crime.
2: Carlos tells detectives he was running late that day and left the apartment a good 10 minutes after his brother went out the door. And when detectives hear what he has to say next, they are even more suspicious of Carlos. It turns out he was supposed to work until 3 p.m., but out of the blue, Eduardo asked to switch breaks.
5: Carlos's break was scheduled for later that afternoon. However, Carlos indicates that he felt terrible and hung over and really wanted to go home and take a nap.
2: So Carlos does just that. Instead of staying until 3 that afternoon, he heads home early, giving him plenty of time to get into trouble. The last-minute shift switch instantly rubs detectives the wrong way.
5: The more changes to any normal routine uh, that occur surrounding a crime like this, the more it it creates the question whether a person is involved or not.
2: Detective Barnes begins to wonder exactly what Carlos is up to. And when they find out why Carlos wasn't feeling so hot
6: at work that day, they know they're on to something. The preceding night, Carlos was out with friends from, uh, from work uh, at, at partying and going to some bars. And it turns out
2: drinking wasn't all they were doing. The large wads of cash found in Carlos's bedroom now look even more suspicious. But he insists the cash is simply tip money from work.
5: Brianna's future brother-in-law had a peculiar way of, of storing his money.
2: But just when one theory doesn't pay off, another starts to look promising.
6: In the situations where, you know, people living together, there's a potential that there is a jealousy involved between people that could be a reason for why this happened.
2: After all, it wouldn't be the first time a love triangle ended in tragedy.
5: We looked at did Carlos want to have a relationship with Brianna? Was Carlos jealous of his brother's relationship with Brianna? Was Brianna cheating on her fiancé?
2: Detectives need to find out what was really going on behind closed doors, and fast. A day after the murder, folks in Wausau, Wisconsin, still can't comprehend what happened to Brianna Schneller. It's a
0: head-scratcher of a case that's the talk of the town. As the news spreads, obviously, that fear and apprehension is also going to spread. I mean, there's a killer on the loose, and we don't have answers yet.
2: There are so many rumors floating around, folks in Wausau don't know what to believe. But chances are, something
0: fishy was going down at that apartment on 12th Avenue. A 18-year-old girl living with her older fiancé and her fiancé's brother's also living with them, and one of them ends up dead hmm, what's going on here?
2: And that's exactly what police are trying to figure out.
5: The first person you're going to look at are the loved ones and the people that live with her and try and either rule them in or rule them out.
2: And as detectives look closer at Carlos Milan, his brother, Brianna's fiancé, Eduardo, moves down a notch on the list.
5: The last person to be in the apartment with Brianna Schneller is the younger brother himself. By sheer circumstance, it puts you on a list of individuals that would have had uh, the opportunity to commit that crime.
2: But so far, police don't have anything to tie Carlos to the murder.
5: I can't tell you that I thought he killed his brother's fiance, but I can tell you that I wasn't sure that he didn't.
2: When police drill Carlos further, He sticks to his story. He claims he was nothing but happy for his brother and Brianna. So far, detectives are coming up empty. But they aren't willing to take him off the suspect list just yet. They plan to keep Carlos in the spotlight, just in case he's not telling the
5: truth. If he were lying, he deserved an Academy Award because um, I believed him.
2: Barnes himself isn't up for any acting awards. But his kids would certainly vote him Dad of the Year. When he's not working all day catching bad guys, he's coaching his son's Little League team.
5: Come on, stay in there. Some people might say, well, you're a detective. That's what I do. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. It's just as important to me that I'm as successful at that.
2: Whether he's on the field or off, Barnes knows it's important to have a can-do attitude.
5: When the team you're coaching is down 5-0 and the game's almost over and they're thinking, hmm, how are we going to win this game? Someone has to do something to create a rally.
2: Now Detective Barnes hopes to change things up in the Brianna Schneller investigation. From the minute Brianna's body was found, detectives have wondered if her fiancé, his brother, or both, could have been behind her killing. Barnes hopes new information will finally answer that question.
5: In an effort to either rule the brothers in as suspects or rule them out, identifying when Brianna Schneller was last alive was extremely important to us.
2: And it turns out Brianna's mother may be key in figuring out exactly when her daughter died. Detectives learn that Brianna and her mom talked on the phone at 9.30 that morning. That means Brianna was still alive a good half an hour before Carlos and Eduardo claim they left the apartment.
6: Brianna's mother had made arrangements to have uh, Brianna's car repaired, and her mother was going to give her a ride to go go pick that car up.
2: Her mother tells police that Brianna used her cell phone to make the call. But now that phone appears to be missing.
6: I made uh, several calls to the number that Fiancee had provided us, um, and was unable to either hear a ringtone or hear a, vib- hear a vibration. If the cell phone isn't in the house, and this is the work of somebody that doesn't live at the house, then maybe we're going to find a, a link to, su- to, us, to a suspect.
2: Detectives hope some good old-fashioned police work helps them come up with some answers.
6: The next step was to contact the cell phone company and say, we need emergency information that will help us locate that phone.
2: Sure enough, the company pings the phone, and from cell towers, get a bead on it. It turns out the signal is coming from a nearby restaurant, and not just any restaurant.
6: There was a restaurant that both uh, Carlos and Eduardo worked at. Uh, it spiked everybody's sort of adrenaline. Detectives can't wait to get
2: their hands on what could be an invaluable piece of evidence.
6: They said that the phone was an area northwest of of the restaurant. What we saw when we looked at that area was a set of communal dumpsters.
2: It might be time for some dumpster diving. But that's the last thing Buckner wants to do.
6: Before we start taking things out of the dumpster, let's just try to call the phone again. And when we called the phone, didn't hear it, but saw a light illuminate from this dark dumpster.
2: Looks like the detectives won't have to get their hands dirty this time. The cell phone is in a plastic bag among the rest of the garbage.
6: It was definitely a wow moment because when we found this phone, everybody sort of thought that we have a really good chance of solving this case. It was like an early Christmas present.
2: A gift that keeps on giving. Brianna's cell phone isn't the only thing in the bag.
6: We found two gloves. They were mismatched, so it wasn't a, a pair and then two pairs of women's underwear. Detectives may have just stumbled
2: upon their best clues yet. Since all the items were in the same bag, chances are the blood-stained gloves belong to Brianna or her killer.
6: Why this restaurant? Why this dumpster? At that point, we're back to did one of the brothers kill Brianna and dispose of these items?
2: Get more Nightmare Next Door, online at investigation.discovery.com. As news of Brianna Schneller's brutal murder winds its way through Wausau, the town folk immediately start whispering about possible suspects. And right
0: now, everyone's talking about Eduardo and Carlos Milan. We knew she lived with her fiancé and his brother. So naturally, the brothers, in the court of public opinion, were suspects immediately.
2: Detective Cord Buckner has his hands on something that just might link either man to the killing.
6: When we found that bay with a phone in it by the restaurant, it created additional suspicion about Carlos and or Eduardo.
2: The same phone Brianna used to call her mom shortly before she was killed evidence somebody tried to dispose of. And right now, it's
0: a good bet that Brianna's fiancé, or his brother, may be behind the cover-up. They've got to be involved somehow, and if one person did it, the other one's going to try to back up his brother to, you know, cover for him and protect him, because that's family. The phone's location is certainly incriminating, but what about its contents?
5: Brianna is text messaging with a close girlfriend of hers, and We're able to determine that at at 10.23, that morning, she sends a text message to her friend.
2: The new information is a game changer that just might clear Eduardo and Carlos of any wrongdoing.
6: It became sort of imperative to go to the restaurant and find out what's the work schedule. When did they come to work? Who saw them come to work?
2: Pinpointing the time won't be easy.
5: There was no time clock where they would punch in and it would give us an exact uh, time and date when their shift would have begun. Just when
2: detectives are at a loss, things start to look up again. It turns out the restaurant is equipped with surveillance cameras.
5: The surveillance system in the restaurant itself was designed to be able to see what the individuals were doing in the kitchen area and at the restaurant. So so that footage is very good.
2: And it clearly shows that Brianna's roommate, Carlos, was telling the truth all along.
5: Carlos arrived at work at 10.19 in the morning, and Brianna Schneller at 10.23 was sending a text message. It eliminates Carlos as a possible suspect in this case.
2: But what about his brother, Eduardo. Brianna's fiancé. What do investigators learn about him?
5: We know from that surveillance footage that he arrives at work prior to Carlos, uh, approximately 10 minutes before. So we know that they're not responsible for Brianna Schneller's death.
2: In an effort to put the Brianna Schneller case to bed for good, investigators once again turn to the evidence found in the dumpster. Detective Buckner wants to know if the other items found along with Brianna's phone are hers. So they ask Brianna's fiancé, Eduardo, to take a look.
6: He ultimately did identify the underwear as Brianna's, um, and the gloves, one he thought may have been from their house.
2: But Eduardo tells investigators he doesn't believe the other glove belongs to anyone
6: at the apartment. When he told us that that, he couldn't identify that glove, maybe that belonged to the killer, and... This is going to come into play.
2: The blood-stained, mismatched
6: gloves are rushed off for DNA testing. Seeing what we thought was was blood evidence, we thought we found a DNA mother load, in essence. And that's not
2: all. Upon closer inspection, detectives realize the plastic bag found in the dumpster is just as important as the evidence inside it.
6: It had a a logo and a a phrase on it, uh, total takeout. That bag actually turned out to be the uh, the same type of bag that the restaurant uh, uses, the restaurant where Carlos and Eduardo uh, both work.
2: Chances are, police are about to add a whole bunch of names to their suspect list.
6: It also raised suspicion about other employees or people associated with that restaurant.
2: Anyone who ate at the restaurant or who worked there could have easily had their hands on that bag. Detectives quickly round up a list of employees. And right away, one of them stands out. Javier Fernando, a 23-year-old cook.
5: He lives immediately across the parking lot from her apartment. So it creates a scenario where we believe that Javier would know who Brianna is.
2: And wouldn't you know it? Investigators learn that Javier was at home on the morning of the murder. Sounds like Detective Barnes may be onto something.
5: He doesn't arrive at work for about a half hour after Brianna Schneller sends that last text message. So we know that there's a window there.
2: And when police bring him in for questioning, he's far from friendly.
5: I don't get a warm fuzzy from him. Is that because he's concerned about an immigration status? Is he concerned about. Police in general? Is he concerned because he had something to do with this homicide? Detectives push for answers. When we asked him for a sample of his DNA, he, he provided that to us and consented to that.
2: And when Detective Barnes asks Javier if he's Brianna's killer, he answers straight away. He denied any, any involvement in Brianna's death. But any good detective doesn't just take a suspect at his word. Investigators want to know if anyone can vouch for Javier. Javier quickly points to a coworker, Raul Ponce Roca, who gave him a ride to work that fateful morning.
6: Raul did not say that Javier was acting strangely and didn't give us any indication as to uh, any strange behavior.
2: But detectives have a feeling there's more to the story. Investigators hope the restaurant's surveillance tapes can tell them exactly what Javier was up to that morning.
5: The surveillance system was designed to be able to see what the individuals were doing in the kitchen area and and at the restaurant.
2: It turns out that Javier arrived at work just before 11. But did Javier make a pit stop at the restaurant dumpster before his shift? The restaurant doesn't have a security camera in the alley. Good thing, surrounding businesses do. So far, so good. But did the cameras happen to catch Javier disposing of Brianna's phone?
5: He's looking good for this. We, we think uh, you know, he, has, he has potential.
2: The investigation into the murder of Brianna Schneller is now in high gear. Wausau's finest have one prime suspect, Javier Fernando, an employee at a local restaurant, one of several reasons detectives think he may be to blame.
5: We just didn't think someone with nothing to do with that restaurant would just go kill someone, steal stuff from that apartment and just by chance happened to drop it off in a cardboard dumpster behind the restaurant.
2: Detective Barnes knows that Javier had easy access to the dumpster and Brianna's apartment complex.
5: From Javier's apartment building, he can look out the window and look down right at Brianna Schneller's bedroom and see her apartment.
2: As the story goes, the day of the murder, Raul Ponce Roca picked up Javier around 10.30.
6: Raul, some of his duties basically included opening the restaurant. And then before the main rush started, Raul would go and pick up other people to start their shift.
2: The timeline makes it possible for Javier to have killed Brianna before Raul arrived. They hope that surveillance video from across the street will help them put the pieces of the puzzle together once and for all. But the quality of the exterior footage is poor.
5: You can see people moving around. We can't tell who that is, whether it's a man or a woman.
2: So detectives revisit footage they're already familiar with, the videos from the restaurant's kitchen cameras. Investigators can clearly see Raul heading out the door, just minutes after Brianna's fiance and brother arrive at work. But when detectives take a closer look, they notice something odd about Raul. It seems that he left the restaurant in one outfit and came back in another.
5: He's wearing a brown hooded sweatshirt. And when he comes back 35 minutes later, that sweatshirt is nowhere to be seen. He's wearing a white uh, chef's type jacket.
2: Why would Raul change his clothes during the short drive Unless he was hiding something. Blood, maybe? Looks like Raul has some explaining to do. Detectives also want to know why it took him so long to pick up Javier at his apartment.
5: He leaves work, drives to the uh, apartment complex, picks up Javier, and drives right back to work. It's an 11 or 12-minute trip.
2: But Raul takes longer, much longer longer.
5: We know from the surveillance footage he's gone approximately 35 minutes. The two don't match up.
2: Detective Buckner decides it's time to confront Raul. As soon as the interrogation begins, Buckner realizes he's as stubborn as a mule.
6: He was given multiple opportunities to account for the time discrepancy. And each time he maintained, he went straight to the apartment and went straight back to the restaurant.
2: Detectives have heard enough. Convinced that Raul's their guy and not Javier, investigators ask him to provide a DNA sample.
6: He cooperated with that. In his own words during that interview, he said, I want to help. And he did. But
2: DNA testing takes time. And police are afraid Raul might make a run for it and skip town.
5: We learned through the course of his interview that Raul is in the United States illegally. So he's placed on an immigration hold while his status is, is verified. In the meantime,
2: investigators search Roca's home, and they stumble upon something they weren't expecting to find.
5: In his closet behind a, a bifold door, I found the, the matching striped glove, the pair, of the glove net was found in that plastic bag in the dumpster.
2: Evidence that will be mighty hard for Raul to explain away.
5: That's a home run. We've got the momentum in this case, and we believe we've identified who the killer is.
2: Detectives finally have Raul backed into a corner. And when the DNA test results come in, they know he has no way out. Roca's DNA is found on the glove and the plastic bag in the dumpster. His profile is also found under Brianna's fingernails.
6: That was a point where we thought that with everything else that we have, and now this, it seals the deal.
2: Detectives know Raul killed Brianna, but they still aren't sure why he did it. Then, during the search of his apartment, detectives find yet another clue that sheds some insight on a possible
5: motive. Under Raul's bed, we find pornographic material, several other pairs of women's underwear. One theory at that point in time is that he likes to collect women's underwear.
2: Deputy District Attorney Teresa Whetstone thinks that theory fits the facts of the crime. It certainly explains the two pairs of Brianna's panties investigators found in the dumpster.
3: They were important enough for him to take after a brutal murder. And he kept them till he had to dispose of them in the dumpster.
2: It looks like the walls have finally closed in on Raul. On January thirteenth, two 2011, Roca is found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without parole. But there's no real joy for prosecutor Teresa Whetstone.
3: It was such a just terrible experience for everyone involved to have this young girl's life taken way too soon, that there's just relief that the person who did this is now going to be in custody.
2: While Roca never confessed, police have a good idea of how Brianna died. Minutes after Brianna's fiance and his brother arrived at work, Roca left out the back door of the restaurant to pick up Javier. When he arrives at the apartment complex, he notices Brianna's car isn't there. He jumps at the chance to add to his panty collection.
6: The apartment's doors were such that it was very easy to manipulate the lock with a credit card or some other slim device.
2: Shortly after he enters the apartment, Raul runs smack dab into Brianna.
5: He has a choice to make. He can either take his lumps, breaking into the apartment or he can kill her. And Raul chose to kill her.
2: Raul grabs the closest weapon he can find, a steam iron.
6: He does an immediate brute force attack on her with that iron, knocks her out, knocks her down.
2: He then finishes the job with a couple of knives from the kitchen.
6: And at some point I think he enjoyed that. Otherwise I have no explanation for the number of, of stabs to her.
2: On his way out, Raul grabs her phone and several pairs of underwear and the pair of mismatched gloves. Raul then returns to work as if nothing ever happened. For Brianna's dad, Craig, there's no going back. There's a void in his
7: life and in his heart. I think. Any time you are faced with the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, you start to uh, look at things differently. Uh, The things that were once important in your life no longer have the same meaning. Craig works hard
2: to give meaning to his daughter's life, setting up a memorial foundation and scholarship
7: in Brianna's name. I don't want people to, to remember that she's the girl who was murdered in Wausau, Wisconsin. I want them to remember her for the, for the girl who always had a smile on her face and was always happy and was always there to, to lend a hand.
2: And in Wausau, things have pretty much returned to normal. But those close to the case remain haunted by the death of an innocent 18-year-old girl.